This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I welcome Somi Ariane to the show. Somi will talk about how to future proof your work life. Somi, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me, Caroline. You know, it's an interesting time as we navigate the continuing pro- uh, progression of a global pandemic, but it's really impacted the world of work. And it's no secret that this age of AI and automation, jobs just don't look like they used to. And many careers are disappearing very quickly. So I want to ask, um, what prompted you to write this book called Career Fear and How to Beat It? Well, what prompted me was the fact that the publisher approached me. But uh, the reason why I wrote it was because I grew up with career fear. You know, I always work is a huge part of my life. It's um, I say to a point that um, there's actually a section in the book, which is called work life blend in response to the concept of work life balance. And I say for me it's work life blend because what I do is a calling. It's not a career. It's not. Um, you know, a job. So um, that was really what resonated me when um, I was contacted by Kogan Page. And I felt that, you know, if there's anybody who really qualifies writing about it, it's me because I really have a passion for work. And I can hear that in your voice. And and having read the book, I feel that passion when I read it. It's it's palpable. You know, it's it's interesting. I love your your premise that the future of automation is is clear, but your premise is that we need to be innovative and find new jobs for the humans rather than trying to fight automation. So help us understand, um, how do we even start that? Because so many are at career risk. So you see, one of the concepts that is talked about quite a lot these days is protecting jobs. You know, people, uh, governments, uh, organizations are talking about how do we protect jobs? But in reality, we don't need to protect jobs because the jobs that are being uh, disrupted by technology are jobs that really are not worth protecting. You know, if you think about uh, the repetitive tasks that uh, people would do, like mind-numbing tasks that in the past people would do for years at and you know and eventually just to get some money so that they could live, you know, it's better for those jobs to disappear and. Every time personally I have lost a job, you know, whether um, there's been times that I've been fired, you know, there's been times that I have left the job, you know. So throughout my career, you know, it always has led to something better. And it's, it's eventually propelled me to do something much more um, much more worthwhile. So I think if we look at it that way, there's definitely an opportunity. When I look at the job market or the career landscape these days, All I see is opportunities. There are incredible opportunities out there, but the opportunities are for people who are going to step up and they're going to push themselves out of their comfort zone. So uh, the truth is that that era of the uh, middle classes is potentially disappearing. You know, that's 
that's what it looks like. So what we need is, you know, those those basically high paying, low skilled jobs are disappearing. So we need to be highly skilled uh, and we need to innovate to create new industries and new ways of living, new ways of um uh, explaining, you know, or, or defining human productivity and the way that we measure time and how we look at how we sort of, you know, uh, exchange our time for money. Yeah, such a good concept. You know, I, I love you. You've been described as a tech philosopher and you're mm-hmm. really a transition architect and you've certainly made many different transitions in your very own career. So how do we prepare for the future of work, knowing that technology is is a beautiful thing and how do we embrace it and think about how we can leverage that in our own careers? Well, we all have to become transition architects. You know, the transition architecture, the concept of it is basically based on three principles. One is that do not resist the change. And the other one is do not, um, uh, so, so do not judge it, you know. So a lot of times people are like, I don't like this, you know, like they they look at, for example, the way that consumer behavior is changing. I made a documentary called The Millennial Disruption in 2017-18. It came out in 2018 and it um, won many awards. And, And the reason why it really resonated with people was because it was sort of quite divisive in the sense that some people didn't like it and some people really liked it. But the main thing that I was trying to attack with that documentary was this concept of we don't like the change. You know, a lot of people are like, I don't like the way that things are changing. I don't like the way that social media is changing consumer behavior. But the truth is, it's not up to us to like it or not. In a sense, that ship has sailed. You know, technology is here to stay. So the more you resist it and uh, the more you try to judge it, you know, that time that you spend saying, oh, I don't like it, you know, and that time that's spent complaining, that time should really be spent on upskilling and um, renewing your skills so that you can actually get on with it. And finally, the last one is that you cannot get attached to the new um the new landscape and in a way you know i'm an atheist i'm not a um you know i don't even think of myself as a spiritual person in that sense but actually these three principles are just completely by chance seem to be also resonating with uh, certain you know mindfulness and, and buddhist sort of um philosophies or a lot of eastern philosophies so so it's simply you know don't um uh, don't resist don't get attached don't judge you know and if you it just makes your life easier it just sort of makes your life so much easier you know you're like okay let me just see where this change is going you know and then let me try and find my place in that and see where I can make a contribution you know my whole point with all of this is that you need to come from a place a a, a place of active participation don't be don't be a passive observer be an active participant that's why you know i i talk about the fact that we need four human skills and those four human skills are emotional intelligence contextual creativity and uh, critical thinking and mindfulness and for me mindfulness you know it's not about like just sitting down with your eyes closed for 20 minutes and, and meditating that's not what i'm talking about for me, mindfulness is that active participation, is being fully present and understanding where things are going, where the world is going. And, you know, for me, I always kind of zoom out and I look at 
the whole history of um, humanity and then look at the whole history of our planet and then the earth uh, sorry and and the and uh, you know the, the cosmos the universe and it's like it's taken 14 billion years of evolution you know for us to get to this point this is a huge moment in the uh, in the history of the universe to the point that we know as far as we know we are the only in, uh, intelligent beings on on uh, this planet and in this uh, universe they may be um there may well be but we don't know to our knowledge we are the only so this is a big deal and now we are outsourcing a huge part of our um you know cognitive abilities and and our consciousness to machines so this is so big it's so exciting i literally wake up every morning thinking about this you know and and just like throughout the day whenever i get overwhelmed by um the uh, day to day pressures of you know running a business and and building a new business all of those things i just take a moment and zoom out and that to me is mindfulness it's like you zoom out see everything from the bigger perspective and then you think okay i'm this small drop in the ocean how can i make my life meaningful how can i you know create something of value of meaning of purpose that makes me happy and also makes other people happy you know bring some level of value to other people so that's where you find your job you know your career your calling you know that's where that if you look at it like that then you will not be afraid of the fact that jobs are being lost to machines because the job that is being lost to a machine is not worth having. So we will be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, Let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So I was fascinated by the key human skills that you mentioned before the break, and so many of them I had recognized before, but walk me through contextual creativity. That may be new to some of our audience. Yeah, uh, actually, it is a term that I sort of came up with as I was writing the book because I was trying to explain the kind of creativity that is different from artistic creativity. You know, when you look at um, the way that uh, we uh, look at, for example, painting, you know, music, all of these types of creativity are a kind of creativity that technically a machine could replicate you know there has been many uh, experiments that i mentioned in my book as well and that shows where for example the machine generated music in the style of bach has been actually uh, mistaken for the real bach by by bach lovers you know and same thing like where when people have gone into a, an exhibition you know and, and uh, they have preferred in some cases, in many cases, they've preferred um, the uh, machine-generated artwork, not knowing that that artwork is not created by humans. So if machines can 
uh, disrupt even the art industry, you know, in that sense. So then what kind of creativity? Because people always say, oh, but machines can't be creative. Well, actually, they can be creative. And when you look at something like the AlphaGo story, you know, how that beat the um, Go champion, or when you look at, you know, the way that um, the machine has beat and beaten people like you know gary kasparov these the actually in many cases the move that the machine has made that ai has made it actually has been described in creative in a sense that it has never been seen before you know so the so if if machines are um, disrupting our creativity so there's a different kind of creativity that they cannot at least for the time being they can't um uh, disrupt and that is the kind of creativity that requires an understanding of context the bigger picture because as humans we have general intelligence and we are able to put ourselves in other people's shoes and we are able to connect the dots uh, from very uh, desperate um, uh, you know categories and uh, lots of different industries and to be able to see th- something within that context see i always make the um, comparison between when you the word context you know and text you we talk about textile right in a in a fabric we talk about textile so in textile we have those small individual uh, you know, strings that uh, all at, are attached together and they create the bigger fabric. And it's in the same sense, when you look at um, uh, language, that's how we use text within a context. So that text by itself doesn't mean much. And at the moment, uh, our AI is able to create textual um, art, you know, but not contextual art. Contextual and it's not just art. Contextual creativity is not just about art. It's about being able to imagine something that other people could want that that people wouldn't even know they wanted. So a very good example of that is iPod. You know, when when um, uh, Steve Jobs came up with the idea of you know this little device in your pocket that stores the music that the way it does. You, that is contextual creativity, but in the past, we could get away with having one Steve Jobs, you know, every few years, you know, or, or like a decade or something. But now we need more of them. We need more people thinking like that Steve Jobs kind of character and to be able to really see the connection between very um, uh, disconnected industries and, and areas where you can um increase you know and enhance human human productivity or human experience to enhance human experience or uh, to um, take away human suffering so that's contextual creativity is is yeah so when you talk about fusion roles that companies will need to hire for explain that so um, like for example if you think about um, we talked about transition architecture, right? So companies now need to hire people who will help them find, you know, talent that has both of these human skills and uh, technical skills. So, for example, when you talk about human resources, that concept of human resources, that the way that we measured productivity in the past is very much rooted in the industrial revolution. So it's pretty old in, you know, that that's a very old concept. We need to now 
rethink the way that we pay people per you know we not we shouldn't really pay people per hour we need to measure human productivity in a very different way in that sense um, we need people who are able to uh, rethink reimagine um, time and productivity um, and uh, a new way of working and a new way of um, honoring people's uh, input so I'd love to learn, and the book is extraordinary, and I want our listeners to get out there and, and read the book, but can you tell us briefly, how can we determine if our own career is at risk? Because the book is about how to future-proof your work life. So how do we know if we're vulnerable? Okay, that's actually a very good question. And uh, I ch- I tend to not use the term future-proof. Um, you know, I really like how Nassim Taleb, for example, uses future robust because it's really difficult to completely future proof. But you can future robust your career um, by understanding what jobs, job, what roles are uh, at risk. And typically the roles that are at risk can uh, be identified. They have like a telltale uh, sign. They can be identified by two things. One is if you're, if the, if majority of the tasks in your job can be defined in terms of if this, then that, that and that's one uh, big, um, you know, red flag. And the other thing is that your job requires the least amount of human interaction. And it's not, you know, it, it doesn't have that kind of complexity of human interaction. Because at the moment, those are the two areas that um, artificial intelligence is not very good at. And are you seeing trends that have emerged in, in light of COVID-19, especially with how it's impacting the future of work? Absolutely. So, Everything that I talked about in the book, you know, I was giving a um, a trajectory of maybe five to 15 years. All of that has been basically uh, sped up. So uh, the the need for automation or the quest for automation, you know, all of that is now just being accelerated. So I would say that the biggest trend is that everything I talk about in the book, but now you have much less time to make those changes. Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely accelerated. Do you come in contact with people that that live in this career fear? Do do you just see this on a on a regular basis? All the time, especially when I hire younger people, you know, there's the biggest career fear seems to come from people comparing themselves to other people on social media, mm. you know, and reading too much of Forbes and entrepreneur and like thinking like all these younger people are making all this incredible uh, money and, and having this lifestyle. You know, you really need to stop looking at anybody else and just really get immersed in your own process and enjoy it. You know, I always define uh, the way that I look at this as like, I say, think of me as an Olympic athlete. You know, I'm just, just training, you know, for the game of my life. If you think about your career, your, your calling, your work in that sense, you're never going to be afraid because you're, you're competing with yourself and you're, it's a self, fulfilling kind of prophecy. I love that. I, I, I call it the personal best, right? With the athlete, right? Don't, yes. don't think about who's running next to you. Go for your personal best. Nice. So yes. so the book is is extraordinary and I can see it really being attractive to a wide audience. What's the target audience that you envision when you wrote the book? 
when um, I wrote it, I wrote it for my younger self. You know, mm. I was like, I wish I had a, I had a book like this when I was younger and when I was, you know, in that career fear situation. Um, and it was basically me talking to the, uh, you know, 18, 19 year old Somi to the like the 35 year old Somi. But actually now when I look at um, the uh, COVID-19 and how the career landscape is changing, actually this really applies to everybody yeah. because you could be in your 50s, you know, you could be in your 60s, but you still either need to work or want to work. And this this was a book that would give people the... The idea was that this is a book that's going to give people that um, tool, you know, to understand how to think about innovation and rebuilding and reinventing themselves. Fantastic. So may I learned so much from you and I absolutely love the book. I'm, I'm devouring it. I'm almost done. But let me tell our global audience what it's called. Career Fear and How to Beat It. Get the perspective, mindset, and skills you need to future-proof your work life. And of course, it's available on Amazon and at major book retailers. So may I wish you continued success with this and all the extraordinary things you're doing. And thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much, Caroline, for having me. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new audience members find us online. Let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future episode. You can find me on Twitter at Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Depp, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.